Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. Today, I am joined by chef and owner Jennifer Kim and Tegan Brace of Passaroto, which opened its doors in May at 5420 North Clark. The Chicago Tribune called Passaroto a culinary love letter to growing up Korean-American. And having grown up eating spaghetti with kimchi with her brother, Chef Jennifer brings fun Korean fare to Andersonville. Welcome. How are you both today? So wonderful. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Well, Chef Jennifer, share with us a little bit about your journey. Did you always want to be a chef in the restaurant industry? Um, No, actually, uh, this was something that I was a little bit of a career changer. Um, So originally, after graduating high school, I was in pharmacy school. Um, And I think from there, um, I kind of fell in love with the idea of how things work, why things happen, when certain reactions happen. So that was the part of pharmacy that was very appealing to me. Um, And a little bit later on down the line, I think um, cooking kind of had that same effect as well. Um, So I think that's where the love affair started with cooking. Um, And then being in a professional kitchen, I really just love like the camaraderie, the organizational aspects. Um, There was just something very familial about um, being in a kitchen. And I think that's what really helped launch um, where I am now. Did you grow up in here in Illinois or somewhere out of state? Uh, Yeah, so not too far from here out in Schaumburg, uh, but I've been living in the city of Chicago since I was 17. And what about you, Tegan? I'm originally from Indiana, and I've been here in Chicago since uh, 2007, so around 11 years. Uh, And uh, for me, I have experience in the restaurant industry all of those 11 years as well. Oh, okay, wonderful. So the name Passarotto means little sparrow in Italian. Tell us about where this name came from. Um, So little sparrow is actually my dad's nickname for me. Um, It just stems from, so my parents immigrated here um, around the 70s and, you know, like, um, like most immigrants, they, you know, just took factory jobs or whatever was available to them at the time. Um, But he worked, I mean, all the time. Uh, So me and my brother never really got to see him that often. Um, But on the times that we did, uh, it was mostly as we were going to bed. And I remember he would sit on the edge of the bed with me as I'm falling asleep. And so I have full discretion. um, (laughs) My left foot like turns in like it's a it's a pigeon toe. And I remember um, he would always like lovingly like turn it away so that, you know, like it would stop turning in and he would always comment that I had feet like a little sparrow um so that was just sort of like a nickname that he would call me all the time um so I just wanted to sort of have um since the food at Passaroto is so emotionally connected to kind of the way that I grew up uh I wanted the name to be able to reflect that as well um and I chose to do it in Italian because I think um it was so concise um as well as just showing those little influences um of central Italy in the cuisine as well as just the effect that it's had on my life as well. And how do you say little sparrow in Korean? Uh it would be chamse. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. So why did you choose Andersonville as the location for your restaurant? 
So when I was looking for spaces, um, you know, I kind of looked around at a bunch of different areas and, um, you know, someone suggested that I check out the space that we have now, um, which formerly was the Brixton. Um, and also full discretion, when I first saw this space, I was sort of like, I am not in love with it just because mm -hmm. it, it was built to be a bar really. Um, and I really wanted, you know, something that was more dinner focused. Um, so, um, after I had seen it, I told the property manager, I'm like, well, give me a few minutes. I'm just going to, you know, walk down the street and grab a cup of coffee at La Colombe. And I believe this was back in like July or August. So, you know, like Andersonville, like there was tons of people out. The weather was beautiful. And I just remember um, passing by all the like small businesses and just at um, the neighbors that were around. And I just remember feeling um, like there was just something very particular and very personable about Andersonville and I think that's what really made an impression on me is that you know this this is such it's a neighborhood like a true true neighborhood where you know it's you see the same faces over and over again um, the neighborhood supports the small local businesses um, that are in this area and I think for me that was Made, what made such a big impact um, was just being physically in the neighborhood and really seeing what it was about. And I think that the philosophy of what this neighborhood means aligns very much with um, with what we have at the restaurant as well. Um, and it's something that um, Tegan and I talk about a lot is just, you know, making sure that you know, like we are a part of the neighborhood and that we are here to serve the neighborhood. And kind of in the same way that we're uh, primarily trying to take care of our staff and each other, it's still it's still also very much that lens when we're thinking about really putting the neighborhood first. And Tegan, you were the former general manager at Danca, correct? That's correct, and, and that's and then what brought you over to Passerodo? In, in a way, it was the energy and excitement that I witnessed from other people who had already signed on to the project. And um, then after meeting with Jennifer, just her, just the ideas and philosophy of what she was trying to do that was much bigger than just creating a restaurant, um, but was really creating a community and creating a home that... Um, really made me ready to take a jump and it it was something that kind of came out of the blue and I saw it as a really great opportunity to uh, kind of take more responsibility with a wine program and really get back to dinner service which I love very much so it just it was just something that I had to to go for and um what was the first week like here um, that we were open or yeah, just in general? That, <laughs> that you were open. <laughs> the answer to both is very crazy. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, um, I, I want to say it was overwhelming, but in a very positive way. Uh, I don't know if we really expected what happened, what happened, I guess, um, just in terms of neighborhood support, in terms of support from our family and friends. Um, I think that, you know, like, I don't even know if we've had a moment to like sit down and like really like think about what what this means. Um, but 
I don't know, like I just, it was such a positive experience. And um, like, so this is the second um, like restaurant that I've opened um, without a restaurant group or um, any kind of like real investors or anything like that. Um, and this experience, like with the people that I have, like I just feel like it was so smooth. Like it felt as if we've been open for more than just a week. And um, there's actually like a lot of familiar faces that have come in, um, even just people from the neighborhood that have been like really excited for Pasarodo to open who have like just popped in just mm -hmm. because they're like, hey, what's going on here? You know, like when are you opening? To see those faces again um, in the last week and a half has just been like, it's been so wonderful to like already start making some of those connections and building some of those relationships. And yeah, I think a lot of the response of folks walking in and telling us how much they'd have been they had been anticipating everything and how they'd seen us working inside and you're like you're the you were in the window and, yeah. and it's like yeah and now now we are able to invite you inside and really give you the full yeah I mean excitement yeah. has been building for some time for you guys to oh, open so. yeah <laughs> so you didn't do much in terms of remodeling the beautiful brick walled establishment but tell us more about the space, the artwork, as well as the use of Korean words written along the bar. Can you share with us what they say? Yeah, so um, I think the really fun part about doing this project, and we really didn't make a lot of um, like big changes. They were mostly cosmetic. Um, but I think what was fun for me, at least, um, was actually being able to do a lot of that work ourselves. Um, so we didn't have like a general contractor or really, I mean, there was like a couple things where, you know, like professionals would come in to do like the plumbing and the electrical, but um, for the most part, like all the design, all the painting, that that was us, you know, and I think that we really wanted to show, um, you know, like if we want our personalities and our philosophies to shine through, that means, you know, we have to roll up our sleeves and do that work ourselves. Um And also like just because the restaurant is so personal and that it's not just personal for me, but I think that it's personal for a lot of the staff that works there. Um, you know, being able to insert some of those personalities um, and those stories was really important for us as well. Um, so the artwork that's in there, um, one of the biggest pieces that you see right away is um, like a digital weaving that... Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. John Paul Morabito is Mor the artist. Okay. Um, and he's phenomenal. He actually has two pieces um, that are hanging up uh, inside. And A, like being able to support local Chicago artists um, is very important to us. Uh, Tegan actually has a background in um, in art. So it was really cool to kind of be able to add those additional layers um, and being able to tell like her story as well um, and kind of adding that into the story that's already been started, you know, um, through me being in there um, on my own. Um, and there's also like a couple, there's some interesting artwork in there. Um, like we have a couple of like Mon Mon cat prints. Mm -hmm. um, those are so cute. Yeah, I don't know why we are so in love with those. Yeah. I was anyways, I was like, these are adorable. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then we have a couple pieces um, from Mike Dorsey, who mm -hmm. is a um, tattoo artist based out of Ohio, but he also does these really beautiful... Um, Japanese prints that he does on silk paper that he does by hand. Um, but the thing that I really liked about what he's doing is the um, 
the actual content of what he draws is um, based off of like modern pop culture. So there's one with like the misfits. There's another one with uh, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. So mm. it's if you look closely at them, like they're a little bit tongue in cheek, but from far away, they're still they look like they're still following like very traditional Japanese um, techniques and artwork. So I thought that was just kind of a fun juxtaposition to what, you know, to like what we're doing at Pasaroto where we're still honoring, um, you know, Korean food and Korean traditions. But, you know, if you look a little bit closer, you know, they're, they're a little bit different, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, like the heart and soul is 100% Korean food. And I really appreciate well, uh, as well the, um, you have the copper bar stools against the, the white penny rounds. So, mm -hmm. right? Oh, those yeah. Are, yeah. Those are really cool too. Um, so speaking, you are an artist as well. Mm -hmm. Um, how do art and food go together? Do you think? I think for me, it really is more of a performative quality in terms of, um, visual art and food, uh, and something that has been really important to me for a while now in my art practice is this understanding of hospitality, this understanding of work versus relaxation and really kind of navigating different process that are still productive, but then are also um, in, allow for some time to really kind of relax or sit with oneself and the nature of why I work in restaurants is exactly that. It's this really uh, lovely juxtaposition of r hard work, which I think that Jen and I both share a love of, and then these moments of reward that are based in making relationships with our guests. So, Chef Jennifer, you said in a press release that Korean food shaped your life and Italian food changed it. What was your experience with food like growing up, and when did you have your first taste of Italian food? Um, so, growing up, definitely Korean food was, um, you know, sort of like the beacon back home where um, me and my brother were born here. Uh, so, we were first generation Korean, um, Korean Americans, and... You know, it's something that speaking with any um, children of immigrants, I think it's just sort of a common theme of, you know, not really knowing where you belong, especially when you're younger, because you're, this is the first time that you're, that generation is navigating something as difficult as dual identities. Um, so I think for me, Korean food was always sort of like that anchor um, within Korean culture and it's always been a constant in my life, whether, you know, I mean, I didn't know that this is what I wanted to do professionally until, you know, less than 10 years ago. Um, but I think in terms of my relationship with food has always been, um, you know, it's just very constant. Um, in, in regards to how Italian food has um, really influenced me, um, so, like, we've, we've always eaten... Um, you know, like Italian American food. Mm -hmm. um, it's usually in the form of like Chef Boyardee when we're growing <laughs> up. But um, 
I think as as I've gotten older, and um, so I went to UIC uh, for their pharmacy program, and Taylor Street is, you know, like what we call Little Italy. And I think um, there's there was also just such a comforting quality about Italian food that I very much responded to. So, you know, if we couldn't eat Korean food um, while we were away, like Italian food was the next thing that would make me feel very similar to um, what I would feel if I would eat Korean food. And um, once I started cooking professionally, uh, I really just started to see these really interesting connections with the way um, that Italian culture and food kind of tied in with um, aspects of Korean uh, food and culture as well. And, you know, it's just very interesting to start exploring, um, you know, like what are the differences, but where are the bridges that Mm -hmm. you can kind of, you know, like bring these two things together. And Pazzarotto is in no way like a Korean Italian restaurant. It is 100% 100% a Korean restaurant, but it does have those influences um, from Italy, uh, especially central Italy, um, that you can see in the menu or in the food. But, um, you know, once again, those influences are small, just as, you know, like I am 100% Korean, I identify as a Korean American, but I also understand that there are other other things, other cultures, other people that have influenced me outside of that. So I think the food is, um, you know, a good reflection of sort of where I've come from and where I am now. And you also stated that you uh, saw how making Italian food for somebody was a gift of love. Can you tell us more about what that statement means to you? Um, well, I think food is so interesting as um, as just like if you think of it as a medium. So if we're talking about like food and art and, um, you know, like there's such an emotional and nostalgic quality behind food that is very fascinating. And, you know, I think for us, a lot of us, you know, like um, food is there is a comforting, nurturing, loving quality to it that maybe we can't necessarily define into words or why we feel that way. Um but just like, um, just like with, for me, you know, like Korean food has that loving, nurturing quality because, you know, like that's what I grew up on. Like that's how our parents, like, um, who worked, you know, two jobs, who were rarely home, um, you know, like my brother and I grew up as latchkey kids. So a lot of the times the food that we ate was whatever we could make or, you know, it was like reheated, you know, like Hormel chili and things like that. Mm -hmm. But on the occasions that my mom or my grandma or my dad would actually cook, I think that for us was just like this wonderful, like it just created a lot of memories and they may not be specific memories, but I think what eating that food elicits in us um, really is what we're responding to. And I think for me, Italian food um, has, has that same quality as well, where food is given you know, and eaten with love. Mm -hmm. So you can tell a personal story through the food that you create. What do you hope the menu reveals about your personal story? I think that right now, the way that the menu is written is very much like my own personal story, Mm -hmm. but that's just up until where I I am now, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think the really interesting thing, and this is something that like um, all the girls in the kitchen, as well as like me and Tegan talk a lot about, is, you know, like that story is going to be affected by having like them in in my life too, you know, and how does the food and how does the menu and how does this restaurant kind of change as, you know, um, these different influences come into play. And I think that's 
what's going to be the really fascinating and interesting for me personally anyways is seeing that um, personal change happen um, in real time, like as we all, you know, kind of work as a team and get to know each other and like really get to start incorporating not just, you know, like, yes, this is the restaurant that I open, like this is my dream, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's it, you know, Mm -hmm. like um, being able to draw on inspiration from you know, all the people that work there that come in, I think that's um, what's really exciting to me. Um, yeah. Do you have a an item on the menu that, that is your favorite or has been a neighborhood favorite thus far? Um, the neighborhood favorite is definitely the, probably the kalbi, which is the glazed short ribs. Um, but I think that's also because it's just something that's very familiar. It's also really tasty. Um, but I think there's a couple things on the menu that are sort of like the sleepers that, um, like personally are my favorite, uh, like the hidopap, which is, um, kind of like a, almost like a sashimi rice bowl. Um, that's just something if, if I had to have like the last meal on earth, I think hidopap, like from anywhere would, that would be it. Um, and it's, it's just like a nice little light, tasty, it's not too heavy. Um, it's very flavorful. Uh, I think it's just something that maybe when you read it on a menu, you might be like, what, what is that? Or like, how do you pronounce it? Like it's, you know, it might seem a little bit different, but I think, um, when you eat it, like the, the memories that it should give you or what it makes you feel like should still be very comforting and familiar. Mm -hmm. And what about for you? I mean, kind of going off of that, I, I think that, um, that is a dish I never had before. Um, Pasarito, and it is very comforting, just as Jen said. And I think that uh, those moments where it's a little bit something unexpected, those are moments where I get to have a little bit of fun with uh, our wine program as well and really get to incorporate things that um, the way the way that we map that out is n- Korean food isn't normally paired with wine so it's kind of an open yeah that was interesting for me to learn that it that it normally uh is paired with beers Mm -hmm. so um can you tell us a little bit about the wine list and the pairings so it's really exciting then that we do have like all of these lovely uh products to pair with all of the like excellent grade fish that we're using and kind of using those moments to pull from different regions that kind of mirror those dishes or those flavors and are a little bit less expected. So pulling a Spanish wine that's made primarily with uh, grapes uh, that are used in sherry, but also... it has a mineral and kind of dry quality that pairs really well with seafood uh, using an, a blend that is comprised of alpine grapes used in white wine, but pairing it with, with a rich, almost bouillabaisse-like stew is something that I would have never thought of before I had both in front of me Mm -hmm. and was playing around. So 
And what about any other cocktails on your menu? Do you have any other standout favorites? Uh, in terms of cocktails, I think in the, so we just got, we opened without our liquor license. So we've slowly been adding items to the list um, in the past week and a half that we've been open that we did get our liquor license. And uh, I think one of the fan favorites right now is a white, a take on a white Negroni that actually uses Malort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that in a way, how it's balanced complements and is easy to drink with our food, which is, I, I think, just a feat in itself when using an ingredient <laughs> like Malort. So, um, but I, I feel like what we're really after is uh, providing a lot of favorites and really planning your the beverages that you'll drink with the meal all the way across the board. And Chef Jennifer, what does your family think of this restaurant that you've opened? Um, so they haven't been in yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm waiting on that. Um, <laughs> I think it was, it was kind of funny when I first mentioned um, to my parents that, you know, like this, this is what I wanted to do. And, you know, it's always something that's been in the back of my mind since I'm um, cooking professionally, but you know, I always felt like it was never the right time. Um, so for them, I think their first response when I told them like, hey, like I really want to open a Korean restaurant. There was just like a long pause and they were just looking at me and they were like, are you sure? Like, is, is this what you really want to do? Um, just because I think um, when they first immigrated here, um, you know, it was like during the Vietnam War. So Um, it was a little bit harder to be Asian and in the U.S. And I think that they think the mentality around um, like Korean cuisine still is what it was from, you know, 40 years ago, which obviously the climate has changed. Um, So they were just kind of apprehensive because like I think we went into uh, Chosunok um, on Lincoln Avenue and they were like, there's so many non-Koreans here. I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> Korean food is something that like is enjoyed by non-Koreans as well. But I think like they were so surprised because they sort of like s- still lived in that bubble of, you know, 40 years ago of, you know, um, I remember like when I was little and my mom packed me a lunch and it had kimchi in it. Mm-hmm. And I remember opening it and all the kids being like, oh my gosh, like that's so gross. What is that? It smells so bad. And just being mortified and coming home and telling my mom that story. And, you know, just, I think she thinks that people still have that same reaction around Korean food, which, um, you know, now, I mean, you can get kimchi at Whole Foods, you can get it at Mariano's, you can really get it anywhere. And I think, um, you know, like uh, the American diners, Chicago diners are just, you know, they're way more adventurous, you know, they're um, way more open-minded. And I think that it's, you know, like this is the perfect time to be able to um, open a restaurant like Pasarotto that it is unabashedly still very Korean. um, But there are things that you can still find a foothold in and say, oh, like, I'm familiar with this, or this Mm -hmm. is still something that is comforting, or that I know that I'll like, um, but still have something challenging enough to say, like, oh, like, I've never experienced something like this before, or what is this ingredient? Um, So I think for my parents, being able to see that will really help them to kind of let go of this, like, 40-year-old stress ball that's been, like, living on the back of their shoulders for so long. Um, 
and you know like I think it's great um it's a great kind of conversation um to show like okay like this and now moving forward you know like we're only you know it's only going to get it's only going to get better like people are only going to get more open-minded they're only going to be more adventurous in terms of cuisine and you know like hopefully like we'll see that change in the Chicago dining landscape um you know a couple of years from now yeah it's interesting um my kids go to a school around the corner and once a year on Valentine's Day, they get to fill out a little form and request their lunch. So mm. like another person, another student or teacher pulls a name and they list and predominantly you get that they want some sort of like salmon roll mm. or ramen or something mm-hmm. like that. But it's always like, it's always sushi. It's, uh-huh. you know, it's not <laughs> like, you know, it's, it, it, I think young person's tastes I have you know are a lot more kind of evolved than say like mine were and you know (laughs) when I was a child and like just like bland foods were sort of what was given to you oh yeah yeah I mean yeah that was you know and it's also just like what's available now too you know when I think like when I was little and like my mom and I would go to like Jewel Osco, which mm-hmm. was down the street. And if she wanted to make Korean food, she was like, uh, you know, like, I don't know how to make it with, you know, ingredients that aren't available. Right. But it was also kind of interesting to see, you know, like what, what, what can you make do with and like still um, have the heart and soul of Korean food. But it just looks a little bit different because like this is what's available. Um, but now, you know, like there's, I mean, like any grocery store has just like, like a global food section where you can just really kind of explore a lot of different things, um, very, um, comfortably. And I think like, that's, what's so exciting for me when you hear about like children being like, oh, like I want to try, you know, like Indian food or Mm. I want to eat Ethiopian. I want to, you know, like they are, you know, it's so broad and not only are they just learning about food, um, but they're also learning about cultures as Mm -hmm. well. And I think like, that's something that's extremely exciting. So you've both only been in Andersonville a short time now, but are there any Andersonville businesses you would trade places with for a day? Oh man. Wow. I don't know. I bought a lot of stuff from here. <laughs> so I mean, it's well, Andy a, it's likes a to hear awesome, that. So. Yeah, it's an awesome, it's an awesome, awesome shop. Um, also, because the amount of David Bowie stuff in here is fantastic, you, and you have a David Bowie piece of art in Passerotto, correct, on the wall? Yes. Okay. I have quite a. I have a few. Okay. <laughs> um, at uh, Snaggletooth, the previous place, there was just like one whole wall dedicated to David Bowie, and I thought that was probably just a little bit too much. Um, so I only brought a couple of them over, <laughs> but. Um, I, I'm kind of in love with David Bowie. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, like, I think we're really excited for Lost Larson yeah. to move in. Yeah, we're like, their space excited is for beautiful. That. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Bobby is great. So, um, yeah, wouldn't mind trading places and making some bread and milling some, you know, wheat and flour mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, I mean, I think that uh, next door, I, I feel as comforted at Simon's as. <laughs> As I have any neighborhoods, like the classic bar, very true. <laughs> anchor, anchoring classic bar with a really great jukebox. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind For sure. hanging out with that. Yeah. Or we love like In Fine Wine and Spirits, which yeah. is mm-hmm. literally our neighbor. Um, I have never met nicer human beings in my life. <laughs> They're so supportive and wonderful. And I mean, even when we didn't have our liquor license, like they were like, how can we help? Like, can we stay open later? And just in terms of like, being a neighbor, like they're phenomenal. And we absolutely love being right next door to them. It's almost like they're 
collaborators with yes. us. Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit what Andersonville is like, yeah. right? So, well, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. Passaroto is open for dinner Tuesday through Saturday. And more information can be found at PasarotoChicago.com. For show notes on today's episode, please visit Andersonville.org. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is engineered and edited by Andy Miles in Studio C at Transistor, a gallery, shop, performance, recording, and teaching space located at 5224 North Clark Street. Have your own podcast idea? The studio is available to rent. Please call 872-208-5877 or stop by the store for details.